Welcome to this week's episode of the Whole Lot of BS Podcast presented by Revolution Sports Performance. We are back this week with Chad Longworth for part two, uh, in which we discuss hitting in 2019, uh, the gap between the hitting and pitching that's going on right now, look at uh, how technology and um, implements, weighted bats, that sort of thing, are affecting the training and, and how to best train going forward. Uh, we also look at business ownership. Chad gives some advice to young coaches getting into the baseball field, the player development field, and as always, we finish up with a little rapid-fire questions. So part two with Chad Longman. Hitting in 2019, specifically in mind of keeping up with the pitching. Um, you know, obviously guys are throwing harder. I think that if you – there's some way to track – again, driveline probably has some way to do this. Just the nastiness of the pitches thrown in the Tampa Bay Rays versus Astros series, I think it's the – combined the best pitching we've seen in the playoff series ever. Um, and I'm a Tampa Bay race fan, so a little biased there, but uh, the point being is everyone's throwing 95 plus everyone has a disgusting slider. Guys are now throwing like two seamers, 99. There was a, um, a gift last night of uh, Diego Castillo throwing that two seamer that looked like a left-hand slider um, that struck somebody out. What can we do for the hitters to catch them up with, you talked about driveline being more advanced now, throwing, uh, everyone's doing some type of velocity training, Rapsodo pitch design, uh, you know, on down the list. What can we do on the hitting side of things to try to keep up with that and catch up with that? You know, it's the balance. It's the balance now where we are um, between blocked practice and random practice, you know, how much blocked practice. Can you explain each one of those real quick? Block versus random. Uh, blocked practice would be T work, flips, feel good overhand BP, uh, right down the middle, barrel the ball up, ninety percent, hundred percent success rate, and you know just a tradi- more of a traditional practice model of what we've done. Like hitters go to practice, and you're successful ninety to hundred percent of the time, and if you if you barrel every single ball up, then you had a good practice that's blocked and I'm, I'm not saying that there's not time for that because there is like there there is value there is still some value in that like you can still accomplish things in that yeah like you said so, earlier if you're if you're remapping your swing or changing some swing mechanics you need block practice correct yeah yeah for sure like block practice and you know swing swing mapping time is part of what we do every day um, I think, though, on a competitive scale at Power 5 schools, at high-level professional baseball, the, the, and for anybody, really, it, it depends upon how good you are, the, the, the time that you spend in, in block versus random time. Random time, random practice time would be practicing in conditions that more mimic the game. And so, um, you know, getting live at-bats off pitchers, uh, machines, um, anything that's going to be closer to game speed, but it's also going to introduce a failure rate in practice that you're going to have to get comfortable with because it is necessary that you do that. And I think where we are now is that is – the biggest hurdle with getting hitters to understand that you're going to need to fail more in practice. 
that doesn't make you good or bad. It's just, it's just you have to do that. And I think even at the highest levels of baseball, there's no way, there's literally no way that you can, that you're going to be able to do, you're going to be able to compete against these guys that are dialing in these things if you don't introduce this, this practice methodology. Because you can't, you can't just block practice and then go out and hit that stuff that Charlie Morton's throwing on Pitching Ninja's Twitter. Like you, you can't do it. It's impossible. Like you have to practice against that or things that are going to be like that in order to, to get to that point. And it's, it's tough. It's tough because hitters don't – they're so fragile because failure is such a part of the game that they just want to feel bait. You know, they want to feel good in practice. Yeah. Like I get that. Like I would have been that way too. It's like, you know, I'm over four with three K's last night and then I got to go to practice today and get carved up by this hack attack. Yeah. Pitching machine throwing 78 mile an hour hammers. Yeah. And I, like, I get that, but it's just, it's just necessary part of, what's gonna what's becoming the process of of trying to figure it out and so yeah that's that's the way you need to go about it after you know and applying weighted bats in that and just applying something like synaptic glasses for strobes for visual constraints and just all of the above and just because these pictures are getting better and you know, we can't apply traditional practice models to to that. So you mentioned earlier about uh, creating the weighted bat program and and using the weighted ball program, drive lines weighted ball program, and being able to sit back and, and let your players kind of do their thing, and and you really found yourself not giving too much instruction. Um, so obviously that brings up internal versus views and how um, you know how you use those and the difference between those two things. So why don't you um, talk a little bit about how you implement internal versus external cues with your guys. So we really, um, we really try and I really try other than a basic framework of, you know, try to get into this posture and try to try to get, to this place and then try to go hit the ball in the air. And that's really kind of the, the day to day because you want to be, I, for me, I want to be as vague as possible to allow players to find their own feels, find their own beliefs. If your belief, me telling you to swing up, is not, that's, that's maybe not your feel. And if you've got to feel swing down, then feel that way. If you've got to believe that, then believe that. And we've got a couple of players um, on the floor that 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 think that they they feel that they do that, and that's fine with me. That's fine with me. Um, um, I want to be as vague as possible, so they find their own swing, and that um, that is just kind of the whole methodology is like. I'm not going to tell a player how to feel about his swing. Now he can ask questions and he can, he can, uh, and I can give him feedback potentially on, on his feel, but I'm not going to give a player 
a feel. They're going to have to figure it out for themselves. So you own a facility. Uh, you travel around some doing some, uh, I guess, remote training with some guys. Uh, you're working with a college now. Where do you see, I guess, yourself as a coach and, and developing in the future? Uh, and, and how do these different experiences shape that? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know as far as our, our training goes. Um, I really don't know. I, 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 I really like business and I really like um, entrepreneurship. So I, I, I won't say that I won't coach in a dugout ever again because you never say never and I'm open to whatever. But um, on the business side, I certainly, certainly would like to live somewhere where I could have access to more players that were, um, you know, minded to play at the next level or driven and motivated to become the best version of themselves or whatever. Um, there's just where I live, there's just not a large population of people. And we're fortunate to have trained a lot of the area's better players you know even at even at the you know even at the angst of the coat we try to just keep at this point we just really try to keep under wraps who we're training we used to promote it a lot now we don't because oddly enough players were like catching a lot of flack about and they was the team's best players and they were winning all the awards and they were dominating on the field but like they were still like catching crap about it so we just don't really broadcast who we're training anymore, and because I don't want I don't want players to like catch crap over right you know them trying to just better themselves. That's silly. Um, so that building a business, becoming a destination place, having something that's large enough to, to to be able to to hire floor trainers and execute that way, but. Yeah, we just continue to build, and you know we've got we we uh, built the spinner, uh, just on another curious project to try to help our players on our floor with their shoulder tube exercises, you know, and they weren't able to they they weren't able to like travel with their shoulder tubes, so try to build something that they could travel with that would do the same thing. So that's where that came from. You know, I don't know what product development we'll come up with next because you just never know what you never know what problems are going to come up with with this, that, or the other. And then just continue to try to answer questions. Certainly, um, you know, remote training and just trying to help as many players as possible. You know, I got out of coaching, and that's just kind of always been my thing. Is like I want to try to help as many people as possible. And the thing that I like about this is in coaching you're mainly restricted to the people that are in your dugout and to where I am, I'm open to anyone. Like you want to get better. I'll be glad to help you. Let's talk about business ownership and being an entrepreneur. Cause I uh, also own a business and uh, something that obviously takes a lot of time um, and something For I'm sure. curious about. And there are days that I like it and days that I hate it. Uh, so I mean, I don't even know exactly where I want to go with this, but, you know, you talked about um, some of your products being built out of or created out of necessity. 
Um, so how do you approach, I guess, business ownership and um, figuring out how to offer the most, uh, the most value for the, um, uh, you know, reasonable price, but yet making a living and uh, just all the things that go into the daily task and, and um, you know, big view things of running a business. Certainly, I guess being a baseball player has prepared me to be an entrepreneur and a biz, small business guy because, you know, baseball, you take L's, small L's every single day. And in business, you take small L's every single day. And the wins are scattered amongst just a series of these small L's all the time. You're constantly, you know, stumbling on yourself, getting back up, making adjustments, figuring it out, going and going and going and going and going. So there's that, again, continued stubbornness of that's what being a small business owner is. It's never going to go the way you think it's going to go. It's never going to go the way you plan. I have no background in business. When I went back to college, I, I got a health and physical education degree because I was going to coach. And so that's what I needed to do. And so I just kind of stumbled into business and it's not, it's not going, I mean, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's better than it was when I started. And so just building, if you're in the services business or if you're, I mean, there's two businesses, you're either selling a service or selling a product. And I try to do both because if one or the other, if one or the other were to, if for whatever reason, nobody wanted to throw hard and nobody wanted to try to hit doubles and homers, then I'm not out of business. So we're trying to grow in a couple of directions just to make sure that the business functions regardless of anything. If nobody values arm care anymore and no one buys spinners anymore, then we can double down and on our services and building out more services within the facility, you know, because it wasn't a dollars and cents thing on the service end, if you want me to talk about that, it wasn't a dollars and cents thing that I stopped doing lessons because it was just more of a environment and culture thing that we started doing small group training, which is all I do now is small group training. We don't do any private one-on-ones. And it's something that I've thought about revisiting recently to do private one-on-one on-ramping like one month on-ramping in one-on-one environments to get them into the group setting because everybody has to train in a group like who you train with and who you hang around is super important to how good you're going to become and if it's just you and a coach or a dad sitting on a bucket then the environment is not conducive to you throwing 90 or throwing 95 you can do the work, but if you do the work and somebody beside you is throwing 90 to 95, then all of a sudden your intent becomes different. And there's other things, there's other aspects of the small group training, such as opportunities for young people to become, take leadership roles that, I, you know, we, we empower our players to teach other players our training process. Like I try not to get into it. We get new guys I want, or girls, I want the guy or the girl to, to take the new people and kind of take them through 
what we're going to do. Now, there's certainly observation things and points that I make within that, but I want players to own their process. And so right. when we switched to the small group training model, we, they were getting so much more training time and at a lower cost in a better environment that just made sense to me. Now, do we lose players? Do we lose clients because people want one-on-one lessons? Yeah, sure, we do. But again, I just do work and do things that I believe in. And that's just not in the grand scheme of things. Selling four packs of lessons is not something that I... Not that there's anything wrong with it because there are guys that are doing great work that do that. Yeah. But it's just the stigma that's attached to that that I don't want to do for me um if that's how you do business and that's and you're doing honest good work and you're not just doing it to sell another four pack then good for you but just not what i want to do in business and it costs us clients i get that but it's just just the way we're going to do it we're going to create a competitive training floor and we're going to try to compete at everything we do we're going to try to create leaders and we're going to try to empower players to own their process because all of those things at the end of the day when their baseball careers are over are all things that are going to matter a lot and so that's what the way we do it yeah a lot of good points there i we do small group training for the exact same reasons um you know i don't know how you especially working out how you can replace uh, a small group environment with one-on-one training i mean it's just it's just so easy to point to another guy doing more weight than one kid and be like, Hey man, why is that guy doing more than you? Yeah. And that's all you have to say. And then the kid gets it and he works, he you know works harder and the ego gets involved and, and he starts trying to get after it more. So uh, yeah. just from that like point real of, world stuff, like yeah, real world environments that we're trying to train in that are going right. to, that are going to matter much, much longer than, than when your playing career is over. Yeah. Like all those things matter a lot. Yeah. One thing I've kind of uh, come to the conclusion, I think some guys in the strength conditioning world that do one-on-one training are popular because they don't, they work their guys just hard enough and make them feel good by being there one-on-one with them. For sure. Okay. Like that's not actually driving results. So that's not something I could ever be on board with. Now there are times where one-on-one is necessary in our field too, because it's something that's very specific or, um, you know, that we need to take some time teaching someone through that's a more complicated movement or lift or something like the FRC stuff we're getting involved with more and more, um, teaching that, you know, to, to properly execute the fine details of those, uh, methodologies. But for the large majority, it's a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Like you have to do small group training to get those types of results. And, um, especially the ones that like, like you mentioned with the, the long-term outside of the sports world, um, benefits that come with that setting. And you find out who wants to compete too, yep. you know, and, and I think as a parent, if you find out in this environment and it's the block and random practice, like conversation too, it's like, if you if you can't handle mentally competing in a, in a small training environment, if you can't compete mentally with the failure that you incur off pitching machine in a practice setting, were you ever really going to be successful anyway? Right. Like, were you ever going to make it anyway? Was a one-on-one lesson all of a sudden going to, going to 
click in your mind that you were going to be able to handle these things? Because the answer is probably not. Um, you were probably never going to make it anyway. Like we, you know, we'll get enthusiastic people in our training and then, you know, a month or six weeks into it and they get dominated in hit games, they're out. Like, I don't like this. Like, well, you know, if you don't like this, then yeah. what's going to happen? When, yeah, what's going to happen when – well, I mean, you can – you don't have to hang it up, but, like, don't be mad when you maybe feel – you don't get the results that maybe you feel like you deserve or should get or whatever because in order to do those things, like, you're going to have to compete your face off. And you're going to have to endure these things. And if you can't do it in this, you're not going to do it in that. And so just be content with just being a part of the team. Because there's nothing wrong from you for young players and high school players and participating on the team. Like, do that. Like, that's cool. But don't come and say you want to be one of the, I don't know what the percentage is of high school players that go on to play in college. It's five percent or something don't say you're going to be one of those but you're not willing to do the things that it takes to be in that absolutely yeah and so if you want to participate participate that's fine but don't say this and do that that's just kind of always my message with people is like your kid doesn't want he doesn't want it well he i know what he says but watching when he comes in here and competes he's not he's not competing he's not working hard he's not concerned with the process like he's not trying to own he's not invested in other players baseball is such an individual game in, in meaning that when you're standing in a box or you're standing on a mound or the ball's coming at you in the field there's not there's not anything it's you and so the failures are very individual and the support of the team and the network around you is super important and you got to be you got to learn to do that too so that's just how we create that, that structure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's talk about your website. So you have chadlongworthonline.com. Uh, you have a plus side of that for uh, a one-time member, lifetime membership fee. Uh, yep. so let's talk about some of the benefits of um, going on there and, and what you would get out of it and what, what kind of uh, service and value you want to provide through uh, that to the website and through uh, the online community you're building. So that is all of the video content. That is all of the, just what, what we're doing in training now. There's sample programming there. There's, you know, I need to do a better job with, um, with, with updating it more, but I get lost in, in, in just, daily tasks so i don't yeah. update it maybe as much as i want with video there's a lot of video in there um it's discounted training products discounted spinners spinners are always there um they go in and out of stock to the general the, the general website traffic but in the plus website they're always in stock they're 30 dollars off so they're like 40 bucks there normal 70 they're 40 bucks there um and you know, we have the throwing part, we have the hitting part, and we have the softball pitching part, which is another interesting project, um, which is probably for another podcast. But definitely, that um, that's that's it. We're just trying to share with people um, kind of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, you know, and it's people that are 
rather than put it on the general internet where people are like, this is stupid. This is dumb. Why we put it behind the paywall. And it's really just for people that are actually interested in what we're doing, not interested in like trolling the work and they've not asked the curious questions and, and doing the thing. So it's a, it's a piece of the business. It's a, it's a small piece of the business, but I think there's value there. And I try to offer discounts and there's a Rapsodo discount there and a Mark Pro discount there. And there's a Diamond Kinetics discount there. There's a Jager Band discount there for the, for the Jager Band website. I think there's going to be a Synaptic glasses discount there soon. It says I can get back to that guy um, about that. And so trying to offer people, offer them the opportunity to save money on training products that we use and believe in also. Yeah, it's really, really well put together. Uh, I really like it. I uh, would definitely recommend it. Um, kind of wrapping up, uh, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to get into player development for baseball, and it could be really any sector of it, what kind of advice would you give to them? Um, you know, in today's game, you have to – you're extremely valuable, especially if you're a young player. Um, I wish I was – I wouldn't trade my wife and kids and life that I have now for anything, but if you were 22, 20, if I were 21 or 22, uh, with the direction that the game is going and you can interpret and use technology and interpret the feedback and tie it into, uh, training and methodology, then you're going to, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to do things in, in baseball now and in the future, because we're not going back. Uh, technology is going to be a part of it. Uh, Rap Soto, Hit Tracks, Flight Scope, Track Man, all those things are going to be part of the game. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough, and I get this question from college students occasionally, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be at a school that's got these things, these guys at these schools need people, need yeah, data people, and they need students. And they need, they just need people that are interested. And if you're one of these people and you want to work in baseball and your school has these things, it's an excellent opportunity to just get in and like a basic internship level and learn. Um, and just, it's an incredible time to be part of the game because you don't have, before it was like the pearly gates, like you weren't getting in unless you, unless you were in, you know, unless you, played before or yeah. if, if you hadn't you been know, drafted you basically could yeah, not work in pro ball. yeah you could not work in pro ball and now we're seeing all kinds of guys kyle being one of the most recent one one of the most recent ones and one of the world well-known guys kyle Bodie from had, line, correct? yeah that yeah. has no that has no background playing in professional baseball doesn't have any family i don't think that has any background in it that are getting these really high profile jobs uh, because they can do all of these things and they have a basic, uh, you know, uh, biomechanical understanding and data and technology and all of these things. So it's a great time if you're interested in baseball to, to get in the professional game without having to have been a former player or your dad was a former player, your dad knows your uncle was a scout or whatever. Like you don't have to have any of that anymore. You just have to be good and put out good work and, and, 
and learn to use this, the tools that, that the professional game and the college game really are all going to use. I was thinking about that recently, how if you're in college right now and you know exactly what you want to do with your life, um, you need to put all your eggs into that basket. Meaning if you do want to do some type of be a data analyst for a major league organization, you need to put a majority of your time into doing that for the school baseball team and not worry about like English class. Um, and again, that's not going to be like a popular thing or, a no. but you have to, you have to go all in with that stuff and, and put the actual schoolwork on the back burner because they, at the end of the day, they don't care what you made in, in, uh, you know, general life studies or philosophy class. If you can go in and sit down with the uh, general manager and his team and explain how that you can use data to help their players get better and interpret that data to help the team get better. They're going to hire you a lot quicker than if you have a 3.8 GPA. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm an, I'm an all in or all out guy. And so, you know, if I'm not interested in it, chances are like, I'm, you're not going to hear me talk about it or be interested in it. Like I don't, I don't dabble in, in many things. I like, I mean, they're all in on it or all out. And, so to that point, you know, and, and here's the thing, if you're a college student and you're, and you're hearing this and, and you're listening to this and your parents are paying for school, make grades that are good enough, but double down, triple down on the things you're super interested in. If it's data, if it's whatever, you know, make grades that are good enough, but right. you know, don't spend extra time trying to, you know, grind out an A in a class where, uh, C would be fine. Like, right. just do that. Definitely. Just do that and move on and, like, and be really exceptionally good because, you know, it's like the, it's like the showcasing. It's like the showcasing and everything. The one thing that no one will tell you and the one thing that will, no one will tell you about the real world is, like, talent always plays. If you don't have it, then you're not going to – nobody's going to be like, well, he works really hard. No, you got to be good. Like, you got to yeah. work. You got to – got to put out good work um you know talent plays in baseball talent plays in the real world and you either you know some people just have it and other people have to work for it um and if you can acquire it through general stubbornness or you know curiosity of just never giving up or whatever which is where all of my I guess knowledge or whatever insight comes from because I did I'm not born with natural intelligence or whatever. I just had to work hard and had to be curious and had to be stubborn and had to do those things in order to get here where that is. I, I don't know, but um, the same thing goes for people in the real world for people trying to get in professional baseball. It's like, you have to do good work. You know, you have to be able to, you have to be able to put out good work. And again, we live in a, most unbelievable time for that too with the internet is just you know put it out there it may be good you know when I started writing on the internet my stuff was awful it's still probably not <laughs> real good but like it didn't bother me it just didn't bother me because it was like I'm just gonna write whatever people like it people don't whatever if it helps one person then good right you know it's better than not sharing what we're doing or what we've done so that's just keep that, going that's how I feel about the podcast thing I'll listen yeah. to some of them and be like, man, these aren't that good compared to like Ryan Rossillo or someone that does it for a living. But it's like, okay, well, that, sure. guy, that guy's been talking on the radio for like 12 years every day. For so sure. for if sure. I'm equal to him, then something's wrong with him. Yeah. Tim um, Ferriss or Joe Rogan or any of yeah. these guys. 
I yeah. had these unbelievable podcasts. Definitely. Um, all right, let's finish up with some rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, been a really not close second. Favorite musical artist? You can Gosh. subdivide. You can subdivide this like workout music, leisure music. However you so do. what we listen to in the in the facility is mostly eighties music. Okay. Um, we listen to mostly eighties music. I like it, but the parents tend to like it a lot. So that's what we do. We we make as long as the parents are in a good mood, we can we can deal. Um, who I like? Gosh, man, that's tough. Um, I've seen. I saw Garth Brooks in concert in April, which was awesome. Um, so I, I probably, in my own time, probably swing more towards the country genre. Um, but I don't like the early 2000s country, Kenny Chesney and all those guys. All right. Uh, favorite hobby, well, hobby you have outside of baseball? Sheesh, man. I used to play a lot of golf. I liked golf a lot. But since I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, I don't. I don't do. I don't get to do much. I mean, I like to travel with my wife and kids. Um, that's probably the hobby that I have now. Is we, we we try to take our kids and travel and see a lot of things. So that's probably it. You're a big college football guy, right? I love college football. I mean, that's really high on the list. That 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 probably counts too. Uh, if you going had, to LSU this weekend, actually, that's awesome, man. They're they got Florida, right? Yep. I went to an LSU Florida game in Baton Rouge six, seven years ago now. Yeah. Um, it was it was awesome, even though Florida was terrible. But it's definitely yeah, they were terrible. Have you, have you been to Baton Rouge before? Twice. Yeah, so that's my sister works in Florida, so okay. every time that Florida goes to Baton Rouge, like I, I try to go. That stadium's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you had to quit working in baseball or any type of athletic um endeavors tomorrow what would your career be i would probably work i would probably work in probably social media and marketing which i like too like i like those things um i like social media and marketing and business i do i like those things so i feel like i feel like i could apply with what i've learned doing all that i've done to this point in baseball to like really any industry. Mm -hmm. So that, that's probably what I would do. Well, the marketing sort of business so, something. Yeah. It takes, it takes uh, that competitiveness that athletes have and you can apply it. And I think it kind of fulfills that void. Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. That way. All right, cool, man. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Great time talking to you. I followed your stuff for quite some time. So uh, really cool to, to get you on the podcast and, and dive into some of these uh, things that we see every day on Twitter and just looking at our own careers and player development. So uh, appreciate the yep. time and look forward to yeah, talking to you in the future. Yeah, that was awesome. Just want to take a second to thank Chad again for coming on the podcast. Uh, first time talking to him. Awesome guy. Enjoyed it as much as I thought I would. And uh, just brings a lot of interesting information and mindset uh, to player development, really all aspects of life. And he touched on that quite a few times. And I really like the part where we talked about how failure often leads to success and how that is something that can easily translate from sports, baseball specifically, over to the real world. 
So thank you again for your time, Chad. Make sure you look him up. I will post his information in the, to the show notes, and uh, we will definitely be uh, posting some other stuff on social media about him and how to get uh, in touch with him if you're interested in hearing what he has to say and, and all the information that he posts and uh, provides for free is awesome as well. So make sure you check him out. And uh, as always, please leave a comment, rate and review the podcast, and leave any suggestions for future episodes. Thanks for listening.